Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Steve Selengat. He is an income independence coach, a professional investment manager, advisor, the way we want to look at it. Welcome, look at it. Welcome to the show, Steve. Oh, great to be here, AJ. Welcome to the there. show. Welcome to India in this online form, Steve. And I'm sure not just in India, but a lot of people across the globe will benefit from what we are going to talk about. We'll talk about creating income independence. So let's understand from a common man's perspective, what is this income independence, uh, Steve? Does that mean that, you know, uh, I am fully independent? I won't. Uh, I will have enough money. I can do anything with that. Help us understand what is this income independence all about. Well, it it would be nice if you could say yes. I can do anything I want with the <laughs> amount of income, <clears throat> but it's not quite that great. <laughs> the idea is that your investments, your investment portfolios that you've accumulated over the years, will generate all the income you need. A to take care of your everyday ordinary expenses, everything you have to spend, and B, allow more enough left over that you can continually reinvest and and you use a process that constantly grows the income. You know, you don't just add shares mindlessly to what you already own. You selectively reinvest so that you're growing your income. Um, and there's a lot of, of course, there's a lot of other processes involved in portfolio management that you have to implement. So Absolutely. Right. But that's the that's idea. It. All the money you need to do what you need to do and then extra to reinvest. Right. Right. So when when do does one get this income independence? What is the best time to have people want to retire early? Many of them, you know. Uh, maybe 20, 30 earliest, they say, is to 50, then well, 40, and now even they talk about being, uh, you know, retiring at 30. Well, I, I was I was a pretty lucky person. Um, when I was 25, I got a little bit of money. Um, and my objective at that time was to was simply not to lose it. You know, it, it came in the form, uh, literally in the form of about 30, 35 different stock certificates of companies and those companies were companies like General Motors and Exxon. It wasn't Exxon at that time. It was SO, um, you know, big name companies and a, a wide diversity of them. And they all paid dividends. So my objective was to say, okay, I've got this hunk of investment capital. I am not going to spend it and I'm not going to take unnecessary risks that would make me lose it. So how am I going to go about that? Because I didn't know a thing about it, you know. I'd, um, so I I got this broker at a, a local company, a, a woman. There weren't a whole lot of woman stockbrokers back in uh, in the '70s, you know. And uh, she and I we talked about it. We looked at the. I I kept looking at the charts, and I saw how the market went up and down and up and down, and the dividends didn't change much. Occasionally they raised them, but on this quality company, they never shut them down. So I said, well, there's always income coming in. What else can I do? 
So I, I worked for a um, uh, the investment management or uh, per, uh, pension investment uh, department of a, a life insurance company back at that time. And my job was to travel around the country with the managers of their defined contribution plan to talk the client, their clients into taking up a new record keeping system. But while I was on the airplanes, I talked about these guys and how they manage, manage these huge portfolios, you know, billions of dollars they're managing. I'm managing a hundred thousand. How do I take my portfolio and make it look somewhat like theirs? So I used, I used their quality guidelines. I used their diversification guidelines. I, I, I only bought securities that paid income and that and that strategy came from my father who had had the idea that you always got a, re, a return, a physical return. And then I, there's one thing that they didn't do that I did. So I was having this, this discussion with this guy in the plane. And I said, I noticed in the portfolio that you own thousands and thousands of shares of Boeing. It's a, it's a large, it's the biggest position you have in this huge portfolio. It only pays a small dividend. Why do you have this thing in there? Why don't you take your profits and move it around? And they said, well, Steve, one of the things you'll have to learn about the investment world is that big companies like us with huge investment amounts of money under investment are under pressure from these companies to own their stock because it looks good. It gives them stability and so on. So, and they're also... We have an insurance business out here, and Boeing is one of our biggest insurance customers. They want us to own a lot of stock. So the light bulb went off, and it's a light bulb went on, and it's never gone off since. There's as much politics in the prices of stocks as there is economics. So at that point on, I started trading, and that's when my portfolio started to, to grow. Um, trading meaning I'd set a target. If the, stock, if the stock went up 10%, I sold it and I found another one. And if, and if I had, and, and if need be, if that, the price went down again, I'd buy it again. And I'd do the same thing over and over and over. So by the time I was 29, I had achieved income independence. Okay. I said goodbye to the company. I was making four or five times more my salary than my salary. And I told my wife, I'm home, I'm unemployed, I'm starting a business. And I got uh, two buddies of mine to let me help them manage their money so that I could develop a track record other than my own track record so that I, I met new people. I could say, here's my track record. Let me help you become income independent. And that's how it started. And uh, last year, after 44 years of managing other people's money. I sold my business, got an offer I couldn't refuse, so to speak, you know, and uh, and now I'm an income coach. So I'm I'm talking to people about it and suggesting to them how they can go about doing it. I also wrote the book um, Retirement Money Secrets, which you can see over here. Right, uh, right. And I wrote that, and that tells all my strategies all. You know, the the six basic principles of how you go about achieving 
income independence. And you'd be surprised what those principles are. But, you know, it's not some chart that you look at or a guru that you listen to. You know, it's basic, uh, fundamental investing. And fundamental investing isn't as popular today as it once was. But it's what I've been always doing. You know, I would I never had any interest in buying a company that didn't already show a profit. You know, you remember do you remember in the uh, the late 90s before the dot com bubble, how the uh, the Wall Street people would be talking about, oh, you got to look at this company. It's it's doesn't make any money. But look how popular it is. You know, <laughs> this was the no value at all rally, you know. Everybody was pouring their money into these NASDAQ companies that had never raised, made a profit. Now, admittedly, admittedly, a lot of people made a lot of money on the Yahoo's and the Google's and the Amazon's and so on. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But, you know, 70 or more percent. And I, I don't, I'm not going to mention a percent. I don't really know. But as many secure as many new issues go bust as become heroes, you know, probably a whole lot more. So I never went there because they never paid dividends. And some of them today still pay you, you know, you could put the dividend on the end of a pin. It's so small compared to what they make. So I found, I found a, um, a category, a class of securities that are, are trust vehicles. They're called pass-through trusts and they're required by law to, re, to return or to disperse 95% of their income to their share owners. Now, imagine if Amazon dispersed 95% of its profits to those people who own a couple hundred shares of stock. That would be cool. It's not going to happen. But these guys, these they're called closed-end funds. They've been around since the 1800s, 20 years before mutual funds were even existed over a hundred years before ETFs came on, on the scene, they are passed these pass through trusts and I can own, if I buy an equity closed end fund, I can own 200, 300 different stocks. Probably all the ones you love, all the ones you have there, your poor, the Berkshire Hathaway that your broker says you got to have at least one share of this, you know, cause it's 2000 bucks a share. You have one or two shares of it. I have hundreds of shares of it, but I have it in the form of this trust where I have a diversified portfolio of stocks and they're paying me right now over 9% distributions. Most of it, most of them pay monthly, about a third of them pay quarterly. So, you know, it's a whole different mindset on, um, diversification, income, and um, quality. You can determine the quality. How long is it, how long has this fund been in business? Um, who provides this fund? Is it, is it someone as big and well-known as BlackRock or Gabelli or Nuveen? Or is it some fly-by-night, I wouldn't even say fly-by, some other company that you've never heard of before. Well, maybe you'll take a chance and buy one of their closed-end funds. Some of them only have one closed-end fund. So, you know, there are over 200 closed-end funds that meet 
my quality requirements, income requirements, and diversification requirements. Like I won't buy a fund if it only has 35 positions inside. It's got to have over 50 for me to be comfortable. And most of this is because I used to manage other people's money for that 40 years that I was a, a portfolio manager. I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with somebody's whole retirement fund here, you know? So I'm not going to take any risks at all or everything in the stock market. Everything is a risk of some kind, but I'm, I'm going to minimize it as much as possible. So I'm going to diversify what it, what they own. They're not going to own five funds. I mean, I've looked at portfolios since I become a coach that have, you know, that are 600,000 portfolios that only have two mutual funds. In them. I mean, I don't know how these guys can keep a license to be a professional uh, company, you know, even if it's just the broker itself, you know, it's the guys manage it, it themselves. Somebody's got to be there to say, hey, man, you've got to diversify better than that, you know, but it happens. I get, I get these things now. And, and I really feel like uh, I, I think I might even be doing more good now to these people that I've never met before than I did for my clients for the last 10 years or so, because they already were indoctrinated. They know they had to be, they knew about diversification. They knew about income and so on. These people are, are new and, you know, and, and they, they, they come in and they say, Hey, I know there's something wrong here. Can you help me fix it? And that's, you know, that's what I'm doing now. So that was a lot right there. Absolutely. Uh, great, great, uh, great, uh, uh, you know, sharing of a lot of knowledge here. Steve, I want to understand, in your case, you got those shares from wherever you got it. Yes. But for those people who do not have that sort of a thing happening in their lives, and they are still just earning from their job, how can they plan their independence uh, at an early stage? What time should they start? When, as soon as they get the first job, or maybe in their thirties, twenty-five. You know, I that's that's a great question. Obviously, not everybody is, um, let's say, uh, privileged. You know, and I, I appreciate that. I I had it. I was lucky, very lucky, and uh, and I, you know, <laughs> I'm very appreciative of that. But but yeah, you know, but before I even got that money. When I, I was 12 years old, I started a lawn mowing business for the people in the development where I lived. You know, my father said, okay, you're, this is good that you're taking this initiative. I'm going to buy you a lawnmower and a gas container. You have to pay for the gas, but you know, and that was great for me. You know, I went out there, I did that. I could, you know, made enough money to keep my, you know, do what I had to do and so on, but I was doing something, but I didn't, and I didn't spend all the money. I gave it to him and I said, here, invest this for me, invest this for me. And he gave it, he gave it to his attorney because he, he didn't like the stock market at all. My father, my father's a real estate developer. So he, he only did real estate and he only did it, and he never, ever borrowed money. So he had to make that money and have the money to buy that piece of land or to build that vacation Home. And these weren't the vacation homes you see today, like in Kiowa Island out there in South Carolina. Are you, you're not familiar with that, but you may have heard of it. It's not that kind of vacation home. It's not that 4,000 square foot thing on the beach. These were a thousand square feet or less little bungalows on a hillside nearby a lake 
in Northwest New Jersey. You know, and they probably went in those days. He started this development in the um, when I was just five years old. So that was in the in 1950. You know, so if the if the building cost three thousand dollars, that was a lot of money in in 1950. So, but that's that's where it all started. So what I'm saying is, whatever you make, try to find a little to put away, and. Don't get involved in credit cards that are charging you 20% interest. You just can't make you, let yourself do that. Um, you get that year-end bonus. Don't just call a broker and say, what's hot? Buy me that stock that's hot right now. You know, put it away. Put it away. First thing you do with your initial investments is think of income. Don't think of making money. Don't think of making a killing on some sort of stock that you you heard about. Just get the income going. Get the income going. And pretty, pretty soon you'll see that that income is growing all the time as you add to these income type investments. And there are a lot of income type investments. There's the closed end funds I talked about, but there are things, there are still um, bond funds if you want to do mutual funds and so forth that focus on income. Not as much as closed end funds, but when you're really starting out, you just want to get your feet wet. You want to learn a little bit about it. You want to read a couple books like Retirement Money Secrets so that you know the difference between different types of securities and how much risk is associated with each type of securities. There's a, a pyramid in that in the book that I describe each level, how the, the safest ones, the government bonds are at the bottom. And then the next level up is maybe municipal government bonds and, you know, big, big blue chip corporate bonds and so forth. But all the equities are on the top five floors. You know, stocks are always more risky than even preferred stocks and any bonds or debt of the same company. The stock, the stock is ownership. You know, you're going out, you're buying that pizza parlor. You own it. You know, uh, you got to pay the bank before you pay anything to your, even to your wife to, to, you know, to go out shopping, you got to pay your loans, what you have in there. And then if you, if your business doesn't work, I mean, you're out of it. You know, you don't get anything back for your, your, your stock in the business. You're, you're done. So you have to make it succeed. So it's the same thing with your own personal investment. You have to think of it that way. I think when, in the old days, when I used to just buy stocks before I discovered the closed end fund vehicles about 20, 20, 23, 24 years ago, I used to buy individual stocks and I used to think of my portfolio like I was like I had a department store and I had stocks that specialized in consumer goods. I had stocks that specialized in energy, stocks that are in utilities. Every facet, every sector of the economy was represented by the stocks I owned. So I had this department store full of these things. So my so what I said to myself was if I'm running a Home Depot and somebody comes in and they want to buy a tire, I don't say, no, no, I'm not going to sell it to you because the price is going up tomorrow, you know, and I can get more. I'm saying, okay, I have a markup. I have a target. I'm selling that thing right now and I'll buy, I'll buy some more bridge tones to add to my inner, in, inventory. And that's the way I approached the stock market. Everything was for sale. I didn't have a core portfolio that I had to buy and hold for my lifetime 
not a chance. Everything was for sale all the time. I, I sold some I sold some things on Friday, some closed-in funds on Friday that I had owned for five days at a 3% profit. So annualize that. And what kind of profit is that? But you do, you know, you do 10 threes, you're going to make 10 threes a whole lot faster than you're going to make 130. So, so I, even in the, even in a, in a high stock market, you just move your target up a little bit because you don't want to sell everything all at once because then you got to reinvest it all. Right. And you can't, you don't want to do that all at once with huge sums of money. You want to go little by little because you don't know where the market's going tomorrow. It could go in either direction. I mean, from my look, what I see in the futures, even after this nice five, six week period we've had, market's going to be down a bit tomorrow, today when it opens here. So anyway, it, it, there's a lot to investing that you have to learn. But the first thing you have to learn is to, to invest, not to speculate. And by invest, you, you want to get an income first. After you get bigger, after you get a larger portfolio, then you say, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take a risk on this one. I know it's a risk, but I'm gonna, it's like I'm taking a, a weekend in Las Vegas with a fixed amount of money. I want to gamble. That's what it is. Right. Right, Steve. Uh, about retirement money secrets, what is the yes. best age? To read, uh, to read this book. Who is this book for? Someone in their 30s, 20s, or someone in their near the retirement age? Uh, it's really designed for people who are uh, thinking about retirement or already in retirement. But the basic principles apply to anybody who starts taking their first their first hundred bucks and making an investment with. The principles are the same. Quality, always quality. Always diversify. Always have income from what you buy. And always set a target for profit. And then there's two other things. Is that you have to recognize that the markets are cyclical. They don't just go straight up or straight down. They bounce around a lot. They have upward trends. And historically, the trend has been upward. But you don't know, you don't, there's no person out there, no human being who knows what today is going to wind up on in the stock market. I don't care how respected they are, how long they've been in business or how much they've made in the stock market. They do not know. And, the, and knowing that you cannot know, knowing that uncertainty is the only certainty in the marketplace is a very important thing to know because that makes you take a target profit it makes you say all right i'm going to take it i'm going to take this right now i'm going to find something else to invest in and you can invest in the same things over and over again because you've already done your diligence you've you've done that due diligence that tells you this is a high quality investment if it goes up here i just won't buy as much of it because i might have to buy more of it when it goes back down again and that's how you you work with the waves of the marketplace and the waves of the marketplace raise all ships, generally. If you have a ship that doesn't go up with the market, that might be a ship that's in trouble. Right. So, Someone who is very young and, and getting money only from, say, salary, whatever yeah. savings they have, how do they plan for their retirement? Do they do it themselves, put money in closed-end funds, mutual funds, or, or directly invest in the stock market? 
or get to get someone like you to do it for them uh people like me are expensive you know so for the smaller guy a a a, a real good advisor will perhaps suggest to them what they should do but not take a fee for doing it i mean it's just you know it's just too much it's it's a one and a half percent it can be for small and for small portfolios it's more expensive than for large portfolios so yeah you you, you got i think you have to do it on your own just so you know you have some experience so that when you do get when you do discover that new product and you make yourself a millionaire you know what you're talking about about investing and when you when because you're too busy you can't do it yourself when you get somebody you can, you'll be able to look at what he's doing and understand if he's doing things for you or for him that's that's why you have to do it yourself i think originally and you and and, and the money means more to you you know like my granddaughter you know, if she comes over and takes care of the house while we're on vacation, I give her some money and I put it in an investment account for her, you know, and she sees it and she sees the income and she sees it go up and down and she sees all this. So even though she's not paying a whole lot of attention, she knows that something is happening there and she knows. And if she wanted to, she could look at those things and talk to me about it and so forth. And eventually she probably will when she gets her first job out of college. Then she goes, hey, I got a bonus. What do I do? You know, so that that's what you want to do. You want you want to get your feet wet slowly. Um, there are other books, I'm sure, that go into the fundamentals as, as much as I do. But get started. I mean, understand what a stock is. I mean, there are people don't know what a stock is. They don't know they own a piece of the company. So when when the company goes up, oh, they're so happy. But they're not getting any real benefit of it unless they sell that stock and take the profit. You know, because it's only going to go down again the next cycle. So they have to learn what these things are, that investments are. They get a 401k and they have a whole bunch of mutual funds and ETFs to choose from, but they don't know what they are. I mean, I've heard talk to people who don't know they're in the stock market, even they, though they have a whole portfolio of mutual funds. You know, so it's it's something you have to learn and they don't teach it in school. They don't, you know, people come out of high school, they don't even know how to balance a checkbook. So it's not something um, that's taught. It's something you have to teach yourself how to invest. And right. uh, and you and like I said, I mean, yeah. I, if 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 you're just if you you know if you're educated, there's somebody building parts, building parts of a human being, getting to the point where they even think about investing. You know that I I don't address. I I, I can't be there for them. Uh, I can I can keep you from losing it once you got it, and that's what you have to be careful of. You don't want to go. Okay, I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to triple my money this week because that's what you're doing in the stock market. If you tell a broker or ask a broker what's hot, or you hear a tip, or you hear somebody talking on the subway about this, you know, fantastic new company and this new product, and you throw money at it. I mean, that's just craziness. That's that's speculating, and, and you you got to learn that that's not where you want to go. But everybody's going to make mistakes. They're all going to make mistakes. I've made mistakes. They're all going to make mistakes. Right, right. Obviously, people will have to learn from you know doing things themselves. But there are some things you know some mistakes that they can avoid straight yes. away by listening to uh, good advice like from you. So, what are a few things that they 
when they start you know investing or learning about investing what they, as you said about uh, hearing about some tip uh, at the subway something right. like what are the few things that they can you know keep in mind always whenever okay. you know uh, they, they they are putting talking about money right i well i i think i hate to seem repetitive but it uh, you know after having doing doing this for i guess almost more than 50 years on my own my own money it's really it's really very simple you have to develop a way or learn a way to determine that quality i mean you know amazon is a quality company regardless of any politics or anything else you hear it's profitable don't 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 even go near a company that's not profitable uh, make sure that company has uh, a lot of things going on for itself it's not just one single product or stuff like that you know it's like the buggy whips that you, that used to be a good investment in a buggy whip company you know before we had automobiles not anymore you know it's that type of thing um if you want to innovate you want to get into ai you want to get into technology find a way to get a broad spectrum of companies like you do with, that's one of the good things about closed-end funds you can get a closed-end fund that's a tech just tech just ai you even can get that make sure it's itself is diversified but you can experience you can you can get a piece of the action easier with a closed-end fund so so i guess what i'm saying it's a vehicle that's really just as good for the newbie you know the young person as it is for the old person you know because it keeps them out of trouble while they're building um what is trouble what is trouble once you've you've put the floor down the floor being the quality diversification income generation and you're going to take profits when they go up um that's you know that's once you put the floor down you have to understand the market goes up and down the pr presidential elections affect the stock market because people are trying to guess what's going to go on in the future so if the the federal reserve ever says we are definitely not going to raise rates anymore then all the rate all the the companies particularly the one, like the ones i invest in that are interest rate sensitive are going to go up in price because they're not afraid uh of that the downward pressure from rising interest rates so you have to expect things to happen. If you buy the best stocks, people give you a list. These are the most successful dividend paying, dividend increasing companies. They're still going to go down in price when the stock market goes down. There's nothing anyone can do about it. If you buy uh, high income, you can buy treasury bills. Treasury bills. What happens when interest rates go up? They go down in price, just like any other interest rate sensitive security. So you have to learn to expect that. You got to. The only thing you know is that your prices are going to go up and down. You can't let that bother you. If you've done your homework, you've done your diligence, you've done the quality checks. You can make up your own quality checks. I have. I, I write 
in the book what I do, but there are people in Facebook groups that use these closed end funds just like I do. They have other quality checks in addition to what I have. Some of them don't use the ones I do. I think they're foolish, of course, but you know. Uh, so anyway, you, you just have to, you have to, it's just like anything else. I mean, if, if you're going to become a nurse, you're going to go to school and you're going to learn about nursing, you know, you're learn about the human body. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to invest money, you got to learn about what investment things are. What is a bond? What is a mortgage? What is a, a loan? You know, you got to, you got to find out what these things are. It's not that complicated. It is not that complicated, but there is much to learn about these things. And yeah. so there is those for those people who want to learn more from you, more about you, more about more from you about through your books. What is the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, I have a website that's called uh, theincomecoach.net, and it's it explains what I do. But the best way, and for people who are really just starting out, I think if they read the book once or twice, they can do it themselves. It's designed for, for people to do it themselves. And if you follow the rules, get your yellow highlighter with you, and the second time you read it, highlight the things. Um, and what the, But the key thing is, when you go to a the brokerage firm, or if you're too busy to do it yourself, and you go to a broker, You'll be able to understand what he's selling and you can tell him what you want and then find a broker that'll do what you want because many of them will never have bought a closed-end fund, believe it or not. These are the oldest securities of all the ones that are available to you right now. There are ETFs which came out in the, in the 90s maybe a little sooner, mutual funds just about the turn of the century. And that was the previous century, not, you know, the 20th. It was the, the other one, the 19th. And the closed-end funds, which actually were discovered or started in Europe before they came to America, but they were about 20 or 30 years before the mutual funds. So give it a shot. Give it a shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KAJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. My pleasure, AJ.